Good evening, and if, if you were here uh, this morning, <laughs> probably heard what I said about my wife. The life got exciting until she met me, and that's, somebody told her that I said that. I said, no, you said that. It was in the video. <laughs> um, yes, Rex is, is right. I, uh, I, um, I like Rex. I like, uh, like it very much, and Annette... Uh, we just admire uh, Pastor Rex, and um, uh, if you were here, if you you were not here this morning, I talked about a little bit about the the Christ that always was. He became like one of us. He became flesh, and uh, he had a physical body, and uh, he incarnate, and he came to this world to be like us and to. To shine and to be light. And he's calling us to do the same. To be a reflection. Because he said in John chapter 14, I'm going to leave you. But you can be glad because I'm going to leave you, but then I'm going to come back to you. And he said, I'm going to leave in you. So, like I said, like I told you this morning, for me, uh, if I was with Jesus and he says, I'm going to leave you, for me, that was bad. Because, you know, it's easy for me to have them there. If you have any questions, I just ask him, you know, here, can, can you answer this question, you know? If I want to introduce Jesus to somebody else, say, you want to meet Jesus? Here. <laughs> now it's hard, you know? People, you need to explain to them. And, uh, but Jesus says he's going to live in us. And the, the same spirit that lived in Jesus, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, that the same Spirit lives in you if you are His children. And so we don't have an excuse to be light and to do His work, His mission. He came to uh, do His work and to do His mission. Remember we talked about that too? He came to transform the wo- this world as it is into the kingdom of God. To transform the world into the kingdom of God. And that's what we are about. That's what we should do as well. Uh, let me read a scripture in um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. So I was talking about the, 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 um, the Christ who always was became flesh. Now in this uh, verse chapter 10 it's talking about that he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge, the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this morning we talked about the, 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 the Christ who came and became flesh. And it's verse, chapter, uh, verse 5, uh, 10 says, who, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. 
in order to fill the whole universe. So he descended, but he ascended. And then he gave gifts to the, to the people, to the church. Some to be pastors, some to be teachers, some to be uh, uh, ushers, some to be um, teachers of Sunday school. And he gave gifts. So each one of you, each one of us, have a unique gift that God has provided and God has given to you. So what happens when the odds, uh, O-D-D-S, if I'm not pronouncing that right, what happens when the odds are against you and you are placed in a situation that seems, seems impossible? See, I believe that that is the crux of the Christian message, that God in some kind of way, He allows us sometimes, even though He loves us so much, He allows us and He places us in situations or circumstances that in the normal and natural seems impossible to overcome. Has that happened to you? So that when we are in those situations, we are not crushed by them. We are not under the power of them, but by the power of God's presence and by the power of the gospel of Christ, we rise to the, to the occasion. And indeed, we can overcome those things because we know that Jesus is with us and He lives in us. So I want to talk to you about what happens when the odds are against us or against you. I stand before you as someone who uh, the odds were against me. Many of you don't know, but I am Hispanic. And I've been like that all my life, as long as I can remember. And I know you cannot tell because I don't have an accent, but a uh, very thick accent. But, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was the second most violent in the city. Drugs and alcohol were part of everyday life and available in every corner. A gang member at the age of 12, I mean, it was automatically. My oldest brother was one of the leaders of the gang, and he was in prison in and out all the time. And so it was like automatically to become part of the gang. Drank and uh, smoked marijuana at the age of 13, co uh, cocaine user at the age of 15. The odds were against me. My father left after I was born. He, he left my mother. My mother died at the age of 56 when I was only 17 years old. I dropped out of school shortly after I started 10th grade. I was the youngest of six, and no one in my family went to college. Only two in my immediate family finished high school, one of my brothers and one of, one of my sisters. The odds were against me. Growing up without adversity, without resources, a single-parent household, my mom raised six of us, sometimes had to work two or three jobs to be able to sustain the household. The environment was against me. Uh, being in a high-crime neighborhood full of drugs and gangs, my family heritage, my addictions, and possibilities of something good coming out of that situation were almost impossible. Almost impossible. But I stand before you here as someone who God rescued. As someone who God, in the midst of all of that, He has His mercy, His compassion, and His love reached down. And he rescued me. So, even though the odds are against you, God loves us. And he can do something amazing. But there is something else. When I was growing up, there was a church in my neighborhood. Very close to where we gathered to just... 
be there because we didn't do anything. And people will walk past by us on their way to services. People who go to that church, they will pass by us and just go to services. We can hear the music. We can hear the, the, the things that they were doing in the church. Then they will get out of the church and they will pass by us again. They never speak to us about Jesus. They never invite us to church. They just pass by us and left. And so you know what? When I became a Christian and I remember that, I had that in my mind all the time. And I said, when I become a minister, I don't want to be like that. What if those people, the, the people who went to that church, will, will share with me when I was 10, when I was 9, when I was 8 years old, and maybe talk to me about Jesus, and that there was something better than what I was doing. Maybe my life didn't have to go through all of those things because, if, because somebody shared Jesus with me. So that shaped my ministry because I thought, you know, if, if, if people go to church and they say they are Christians, but they never speak to the people outside of their walls, then I don't know what to think. And I, will, I always knew that whatever God put me in ministry, we will not only open our doors, but we will actively pursue the people around us and tell the story that can change their lives forever. Because that's what God does. The story of the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, can change lives and can transform lives forever. And that's what the gospel is all about. So there are many stories in the Bible, right, that you can think of that the odds were about these, uh, against these people, like David and Goliath, for example. The story of David and Goliath, that you think this boy didn't have a chance. He didn't even have a chance against this giant but what happened? He knew that God was with him. And God gave him the victory and overcome. See, but it goes beyond that. Because what, I guess that there are some odds against you too. Maybe they're not the same as I, was I, when I was growing up. But regardless of when you are in your journey, there are some things that are going on in your life. And those odds are, are there. So that those... Uh, what does one do when the odds are against, against us? Did you crawl into a hole and complain? Uh, did you cry and get angry with God because He put you in that situation? Would you just cry and get angry and say, God, why did you give me these issues? Why did you give me these situations? What would you do? What do you do in a world that is increasingly godless? godless? In a society that, that has turned their heart from Him. Do you just say, wow, I don't, be, I don't want to be part of that? And I'm just going to forget and it's their, their deal and I'm going to do my, my thing. What do you do? Or what do you, uh, what do, you do? Do you take the challenge and say, you know, I want to do something about that. God brought me into this kingdom so that I can make a difference. What do you do when the odds are against you? And so this text, this, this chapter, these verses that we, we read, they talk about that God, that Jesus gave gifts. And it's just one example because there are three different passages in the Bible. In Romans, we find another one that ta talks about, in Corinthians, we find another one that God gives gifts to the church, to the body of Christ. So did you know that God gave you a gift? You got different gifts 
Every one of us has a unique gift from God. Every one of you have been made in the image and likeness of God with gifts. And what is amazing to me is that this modern church, if you think about it, the church today probably has more, more resources than any other time in history. The church today has more information than any other, church, any other generation of the church before. Today, we have more information. But the problem is, I think, that we have so much information, but a little bit of application. Not too much, or not so much application. So, this morning, I was telling you more, uh, a little bit about uh, Bridge of Grace and the Compassion Ministry Center. Uh, we talked about that um, the Compassion Ministry Center is the, Grace, the Compassion Ministries of Grace Point. That's the way uh, we talk to, uh, when we talk to Pastor Brady. That's how we wanna, uh, want you to know and to think about. The Compassionate Ministries of Grace Point is Bridge of Grace. And so some of you got uh, this on your um, bulletins. It's an insert. Um, and uh, you can find the different programs that we have. And last, uh, this morning I talked a little bit about the adopt a Block program and how we started and what we do. In adopt a block, um, I told you about this uh, police officer who uh, is the deputy chief of the southeast. And he came and he sat down with us and we talked about the uh, violence, the increasing of the violence. What can we do as a church to help? Well, this officer has been a champion for us after he sat down with us. He's been going out and just talking about our ministry and that all the churches should do it. The other churches should do the same thing and uh, just go out to the neighborhood and try to meet the neighbors and meet the needs of the neighborhoods. And I just want, I'm here really the, the rest of the time. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the different programs, uh, what we are, are thinking or what we think God is putting in our hearts and what we want to do in the future. Um, you the adopt a block program, I, I told you uh, this morning, that we, um, uh, we're thinking about this, this coming year, we are going to uh, include this other program uh, in the adopt a block that is going to help our neighbors to, be, uh, to prevent break-ins into their, in their homes. It's a list of about 35 things on the list, that some very simple things that you can do to prevent break-ins. And so in partnership with the police department, we will be doing that. And the neighborhood association of our, uh, around our church, we will be doing that. Then uh, we have hands-on homework. And uh, some of you volunteered for hands-on homework. And, uh, you know, we, we tutor uh, kids from third grade to fifth grade. But our goal or our dream one day will be to have kids from first grade to twelfth grade. That would be amazing if we could have the kid from first grade and get it all the way to 12th grade and inspire this kid and not just, uh, not just only tutoring and helping them with their homework, but mentoring these kids. If we can mentor them and teach them uh, character and the values, the biblical values, because we don't hide that we are a faith-based and so if we can do that, if we can not only uh, tutor and help them with homework, but we can mentor them and we can help them uh, to know the biblical values, that would be wonderful. And inspire them the, to let them know that they can go to college. 
that they can make a difference. As I said this morning, education is one of the greatest focus of Bridge of Grace, our Compassion Ministry Center. When you, when you help somebody to go to college, you're not helping just one person. When you are helping somebody to value education, you're not helping just one person. You are helping the generations to come. In my, uh, when my, the odds were against me and nobody in my family went to college, you know, when God rescued me, then I decided to go to college. And I went to college, taking my master's at this time by the grace of God. And I have two kids. And I'm going to do everything I can to send my kids to college too. Because when you, have, when, you, when, when, when you have that, when you value education, it doesn't just transform one life, but it will transform generations to come. So how do you break the cycle of poverty? Well, that's how you break the cycle of poverty. So that the others that come won't be able to, don't, won't do the same thing and won't follow the same path. That's what we are trying to do. I think it's my uh, jacket that is... Um, making that noise. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but yes, we, we would like to have um, more, um, follow the kids all the way from first grade, first grade to, to 12th grade. And that would be wonderful to be able to do that. Um, the, um, then we want to do also help uh, uh, the kids in, in, youth, in high school, when they are in high school, to have uh, better SAT uh, uh, score. And so we are thinking in the future to be able to help them with classes. If the schools are not providing them, we will be able to have it in our church to be able to help them to have a better score to prepare for their SAT test. Because the higher score, you know, the best possibilities to go to better colleges and to have more scholarships. We want to help them and also a lot of the parents because they never went to college. They don't know much about what, what it means and how to look for scholarships. How do you take the kids to the different uh, universities to, um, do vis- to visit universities? They don't even know how, how, how to do that. We want to do that. We want to be able to provide that and to help the kids all the way. To, to do that, so that's uh, in the education part. That's what we what we are about. Um, one of our values of uh, the Compassion Ministries uh, Center is is empowering, and um, we believe that we don't want to do things for people just doing it for them. We want to partner with them. But we do all the time now with uh, Adopt-A-Block. After we are, now we're taking that philosophy more. Uh, we read a book, I, the whole board. I read this book. I went to listen to the person who, the author of the book, uh, Bob Lupton. His name is Bob Lupton. He wrote this book to, called Toxic Charity. And uh, in that book, he, he talks about that um, the, the whole thing is how Sometimes churches or sometimes faith-based organizations are hurting people instead of helping them by you uh, enabling them, by just giving them and giving them and giving them. You enable them, actually, instead of helping them. So you are actually, it's toxic, your charity, instead of being helping in the society. 
So after we take, take that, we read that book, I gave it to all the board of the Bridge of Grace, and we're taking that philosophy. So now with the adopt the block program, we always, we used to go and, and ask the people in their homes that what could we do for you? And we used to, um, you know, provide everything if we needed to buy things, the paint or the tools or everything. Now we kind of ask, oh, can you pay for the tools? Can you pay for the uh, paint? Can you, can you do this? And then how can we help you? If you cannot do the work because they're single parent, single moms, you can, we can probably help you with that. But it's different than you coming and say, you know, we're going to do it all for you. It's different. So we want to do that in every level. That's why we provide life skills too. Um, the life skills have to do a lot with uh, helping the children. For example, uh, we do hands-on homework, and so we have uh, uh, we are helping the children. A lot of those children are Hispanic, and so their parents are first generation who came from their country, and they don't speak English or they don't read English. So what happens is the kids come on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they get help with their homework. But what happens on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays? Well, because their parents don't speak English or they don't read English, they cannot help the kids with their homework. So we're helping them on Tuesday and Thursdays, but they're not getting help on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So what we're doing is now we're teaching English to the parents, and we're teaching them how to read, how to write, and, and, and how to speak so that they can help their children too. So at the same time that we're helping them, we want them to get, help them too on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We, um, the statistic that I said this morning, I said too, one of them is that 50% of the population in the 46806, which is our zip code, are under 27 years old. So it's a very young uh, generation, very young uh, community. The other statistic is that 60% of the households are single-parent households in our zip code. So you know that a parenting class is very important. Parenting classes and teaching, a lot of these are single moms. A lot of these are single and young women who can, they don't know how to parent. And so we are doing these parenting classes and we already finished one, and we finished one of the uh, ESL classes, English as a Second Language, and we are going to continue those. We have one coming up in Spanish, a parenting class in Spanish as well, because we have to do both. We are in that community. That's why our church is bilingual and multi-ethnic, so that we can serve better the community. Um, those are the things that I just wanted to share today. Those are uh, the, the, our vision uh, is really, we have uh, three things in our vision, which is we focus on education. That's the highest, the, the greatest thing that we want to accomplish, education. Then the other one is life skills, as we want to uh, help the, the people in the community to be able to uh, help themselves, so to, to, to learn new skills so they can, uh, how, to, how to find a job, how, how to um, go to an interview and do an interview. Uh, how to uh, fill out the forms for the um, uh, scholarships for the kids, all those kind of things we want to do. And then the other one that is probably uh, we're waiting for the person or, or waiting for well, to God send us uh, really the person that can have the passion for 
uh, drug addictions or any kind of addiction. Uh, that's another thing we want to do with uh, the um, uh, Compassion Ministries. We think that that is very important as well. There, are, there is a big need uh, in that area. And so, uh, but that's something we want to do it right, and we want to do it with the person or the people, the leadership that God will send, just like God did with uh, hands-on homework. God sent uh, Robin Schmidt, and it was the right person, and God sent it at the right time. So we wanna, we're praying, and if you can help us to pray for that too, uh, that God will send the people that, that we need. I was telling you this morning that I can tell you story after story of how uh, God has been transforming lives through hands-on, uh, through hands-on homework or the other programs of um, the, the ministries of, of Bridge of Grace. But I, um, I also want to tell you that there are so many people who have come and have been just listening or hearing about what's going on there in that, in that area. And God is, God is doing something in that area. For some reason, we can see that God is just moving. And we've been praying, God, we want to be the church that you called us to be. And we want to be obedient and we want to be faithful. And you can see that God is moving. The other day, uh, the pastor of Fellowship Missionary Church, if you ever heard of Fellowship Missionary Church, uh, one of the pastors there is a very, a very good friend of mine. And uh, one day I was at church. And he called me, and he said, Javier, I need to talk to you. He said, can, I meet, can, I meet, uh, can we meet at your church in about an hour? Sure. So he came, came in, brought another pastor from there, from Fellowship Missionary. And he came, and we, we sat down, and he said, I want to tell you something. I don't know why I'm here, but I know that God sent me. And I want to hear your heart. And I want to know what you are doing uh, Fellowship Missionary is, is like a mile from us or less than two miles from us. And he said, I want to hear your heart and I want to hear what you're doing. And so I started to talk to him about the things that are going on in the community, what we're trying to do. That was after, right after the shooting that was just two houses down the street from us. And so I told him about that. And he said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that, that we have to do something about this. As a church fellowship, they said, I want to I challenge our church to do something with you and the church and what's going on here. He went back, and then he called me the next day, and he says, I've been praying about it. And I, what I want to do is I want to challenge the congregation at Fellowship Missionary that, they, that we can come so that we can come and pray with you. Can we do a service, a prayer service in your church, and maybe go out with all the violence and the crime that is going on, maybe go out. To the neighborhood and do a prayer walk what do you think about that i said well that would be amazing because our church needs encourage and we've been praying we pray there on wednesday sometimes and and we need we need we need encouragement so he challenged the congregation on sunday morning wednesday night comes and it was a service it was just a week we didn't have preparation of months or announcements or anything it was just we we talked uh, we talked on wednesday he we decided on friday the time and the date on sunday he challenged the congregation the next wednesday 350 people show up to our church to a prayer service when did you get that you don't get that anymore to prayer services 350 people show up to a prayer service in our church. 
and we make groups. I, I, I prepare, we were preparing for 150 people. So we prepared these groups and we uh, had a map, you know, with different streets for different groups. And I had enough for 150 people. We had 350, what did I do with all the rest? You know? So we put them around the, church, the school, across the street, and people just gathered around the school. And we were just praying and, and just touching the walls of the school. Our Rex, Pastor Rex was there. And we were just touching and allowed all these people praying at the school, all these people praying at the park, and a lot of people walking on the streets in different groups. I heard of one person that was walking on the street because we told him, I said, you know, we're just going to pray. But if you see somebody outside the house, you, if you feel that you need to go and talk to them and pray with them, go ahead and pray with them. I heard of this person that she didn't even ask people to, can I pray for you? She, she would go, and the people were outside the house, and she would go to them and say, hey, I want to pray for you. Sit down. Kneel. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> and the, the, that was the way it was, you know. But you know what? That just speaks so much, you know, to a community that is suffering, a community that is living in fear, and that is uh, it's afraid. And, you know, to have a church that is praying and letting them know, you know, we're praying. There's somebody who cares. Don't worry. God is with you. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray, and this is going to change. We had a second service, and in the second service, we had about 150 people. But it's great, you know, what God is doing. There are churches who are coming along and are trying to also make a difference. God is moving in that area, I tell you. And so, would you pray for, for us, too? I want thank you, Rex, for saying that. But yes, we, we want you to pray for us. There will be more chances, like I said this morning, that for you to get involved in different ways. But that's one of them, the biggest one probably. If you can pray, pray for uh, the different uh, ways that we are trying to touch the people, to love them, and, tr- and pray for transformation of lives because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we do all these things with all these programs, all these ministries to serve the community, to be compassionate. But compassion is not what we, uh, that's not our goal. Our goal is their hearts. That's what we want. We want their hearts to change. And what God did with me, God changed my heart. He transformed my life. And we don't hide that. We always tell them, you know, the best thing that can happen to you is Jesus. You need Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what it is. That's what it's about. So we do all these things, but at the end of the day, we want them to find Christ. Because that's what is going to change the whole thing. It's a spiritual. At the end of the day, all the other issues, it's a spiritual issue. It's their heart. So pray for us. Pray for the people there. Pray for the community. Pray for the church, our church, to be um, light and to be able to be effective with what we do. I have uh, wonderful, wonderful people. It's a family, really. We always talk about that. It's a, the church at the South Campus uh, becoming a, a very close and, and a, a family, really, who loves each other. Um, lastly, I want to just mention this, and this doesn't have to do much with the uh, Compassion Ministries, but it's the same because, like I told you, uh, Compassion Ministries and the church is the same. But some of you know um, Dominique. And some of you know her. And Dominique has been with us since we started. I mean, before we even started Grace Point South, she was coming here because somebody, uh, Vicky's mom, was, um, she was, she's the one who discipled her. And if you see Dominique, I, see, I saw Dominique uh, a couple years ago, you know, when I first met her. 
Pastor Carla was still here, and we went to visit her, and it was just, you know, I couldn't believe the way she was living. And the things that supposed to be in the kitchen were in the living room. The things that supposed to be in the living room were in the kitchen, in the bedroom. And it was just, you couldn't even walk in the home. But you know, that's the way she grew up. And she didn't know any better. She thought, you know, that's the way. You know, I, that's way, the way I grew up. When Carla, Pastor Carla and I were talking to her, she said, well, I want to change. I want to be different, but I don't know how. I go to these other houses. I know they don't look like mine. But I want to do, I I do something. I want to change, but I don't know how. And I remember Carla. I don't know who she talked to. And somebody from here, from the North Campus, went and helped her for a couple of weeks. And now it's different. You walk into the, her home and it's different. Then she didn't have a, a driver's license. She's 31 years old. And she didn't have a license. She never had a license in her life. She didn't know how to drive. So somebody from church said, I'm going to teach you how to drive. So it took months. She went and got her permit, went and got her permit, and then somebody in the church will go to work, and after work, we'll have always, every, every, every day, we'll meet with her for about an hour to teach her how to drive. And she, she started to drive. And then she learned how to drive. She got her license, and then she saved some money, and she went and bought her a car. And now she has a license, and now she has a car. And not just that. I mean, those are physical things that you can see. But you can see her spirit today, the way she was, very close. And she will tell you. She will testify in front of you, I'm sure. And she will tell you that ah, she was so close, and she didn't trust anybody. And today, she opens, and she just, you know, it's a prayer warrior. And she just talks to you. Uh, he looks at your face now. Face. Uh, she didn't want him to look at your face. So God is doing something. God is doing something in people's lives. And when God transforms the heart of somebody, it actually transforms the whole thing, the whole life around it. So uh, that's, that's what we want. That's exactly what we want to do. Impact the people in that way. Where not just the heart, but everything around. Everything happens. Everything changes. So... Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for uh, people who, uh, like Dominique, uh, that you, Lord, have been um, transforming. And I always tell her that she's like a butterfly. I can see, Lord, how you've been transforming her life. And even though she's been going through difficulties, Lord, you are working in her life. And thank you, Lord, for people who came along with her and helped her, Lord, to change, to, uh, trans- to, be, uh, to learn new things, new skills that she didn't know before. And uh, thank you for these people who are uh, faithful to you, who are serving uh, Dominique and doing something for her that are actually they are serving you and they are glorifying your name because that's what the body is about to help each other, to love each other, to serve each other. So I thank you, Lord, for how you can transform lives because I see it in my life. I see it in Dominique's life. I see it in others in the church, how you've been changing their lives now and forever. So I pray that you will continue that with the people around our church, the neighborhood, for this 
community here in the north side too, Lord. I pray for each, for every, every uh, neighbor across the street here on Mayhew. I pray for all those homes, Lord. I pray that you will touch the lives of those people. And if they don't know you, Lord, the, the church can be light also. And that we can uh, reach out to them, that we can reach out to um, our area, our surrounding areas. Thank you, Lord, for the message that you got for us, for the gospel, for your, trans- your Holy Spirit, Lord, that transforms our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Javier.